I want to go over a couple of things inside your bulletin that you'll notice this morning. Um, before I do that, I want to, parents, I want to draw your attention to something new that Michelle has uh, created for us, uh, for you and for your kids. It's called Worship Notes for Kids. You can pick that up each Sunday at the Welcome Center and kind of, uh, kids kind of have a way of figuring out who's preaching, who's leading singing, uh, who's leading communion that morning, what the thought of the sermon is about, just different thoughts there. You can even draw a picture of today's lesson. And so if you want to go get that real quick and come back in here, I would love to see the pictures that you draw uh, each Sunday of lessons. We've done this before uh, for our kids. This is a little different method. Michelle, thank you for producing this for us and for the parents and the kids. We appreciate the work you're doing this summer with our young kids. Also, you'll notice in your church directory, in your church bulletin, it is time to do a new church directory. And uh, next Sunday, if you choose to, there's a couple of methods you can do. You can sign up next Sunday uh, out here in the foyer, or you can go to our website and you can click on the banner that talks about the church directory. It'll take you to Life Touch, and you can sign up yourself. And so, if you have questions about that, don't call me and ask me about that. Uh, just figure it out on the internet. Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory, but I know that you will agree it is past time for a new church directory. Amen? And so, uh, we are hoping to have 100% participation in that this year. And so uh, be looking for those dates and those signups to come soon. Also, let me remind you, tonight we will begin at 5 o'clock. So a lot of you have been asking about the flags. First of all, thank you to Kim Hanley and the others that have spent the last few weeks in the front yard getting the flags ready to be put down into the ground tonight. They've had some interesting people stop by and ask questions and make comments about what they are doing. Uh, this is a great, great ministry, and uh, we have about 85 flag, 86 flags tonight that will be put out in our front yard. Isn't that great? And uh, let's thank Kim and the others for participating in this. So tonight, all you need to do is come to the church foyer, and uh, you will see the flags in the foyer. Before you grab a flag, I'm going to lead us in a short devotional uh, about the 4th of July and about freedom that we have in Christ. We'll also, at that point, be given instructions about the flags, and then we'll go to the front yard and put those out. Then we'll come back in and have ice cream. Trying to do all of this in time to get you to the fireworks show tonight at Noise Stadium. Uh, if you choose to participate in that. And so, again, what time is church tonight? Five o'clock. If you come at six, you'll just have to come to the front yard. Now, before we study, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And before I pray, I need to let you know we received word this morning that Helen Norman was found dead at her home this morning. I know, just so shocking. Paul Garrett went over to pick her up for church and uh, there was no response and uh, got into the house and found her and uh, 
So Ellen was a great servant of God. She was a wonderful lady. Did so much for this church and this community. And uh, a lot of memories are flooding my mind right now of Helen. And so um, this is shocking news to us this morning. I'm going to ask that we go to God in prayer. And as a family would do, I'm going to ask if it's convenient for you to join hands with the person next to you. And um, let's bow as we pray. Father God, you're so good to us. Father, it's times like this as a family that we are saddened. We are shocked. And all we know to do is to come before you in prayer. And Father, we know as we do this, we trust that as your scriptures say, that you are the God of all comfort. And you comfort us in those trying moments, in those moments that even test our faith, those moments that we do not have words to say. All we can do is lean on you. And that is such a blessing, Father. This morning I'm mindful of Karen and Laurie and their families. And I pray that you walk with them this sudden news and I pray that you give them safe travels here to Paris I pray father that you'll be with Paul and, and others that are involved with Helen's life and and making preparations for her funeral and father just give them give all the family and friends that source of extra measure of strength that only you can provide and as her family and friends in this church and in this community, may we lean on you and lean on one another during this time. We give you all the glory and the praise and the honor. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. I invite you to turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So when I was about oh, 8, 9, 10 years old, I made a trip up to Selah, Washington with my grandparents, and we stayed with some of their very good friends that they had grown up with all their life. And these friends, they owned and operated an apple orchard. And so that first night there, the guy said, hey, Patrick, in the morning, I'd like for you to go out with me, uh, with my workers, and I'd like to show you what we do in this apple orchard. Well, what he had in mind was he was going to put me to work. And so he dropped me off with, some, with one of his crews, and I spent the morning up on a ladder picking apples. It was a lot of fun, I'll have to admit. So one of the things that we did that week, he taught us and he showed us exactly what they did and how they got the apples ready. It's more than just picking them. Talk to us about step by step what they do to get them ready for the trucks to come pick them up at his place 
and to deliver them all over the nation. Well, as I look back at that, one of the things that really stands out to me as I, as I look at a passage like John 15, I'm reminded on that trip, when, I, when you look back and I remembered those trees with all the apples in it, they were beautiful. They were clean. They were ripe. They were ready to be picked. But in order for that to take place, there was a lot of work and a lot of hours and a lot of preparation that took place ahead of time. For example, you had to get rid of all the dead branches. You had to get rid of all the branches that were not producing good apples. You had to cut them up. You had to literally just cut them away so that the vines and the tree and the branch could produce really good, healthy, delicious apples. Again, we're spoiled because today we just go to the grocery store and pick the finest apple that we can see. We don't realize all the hours and hours of work and preparation that it takes in order for it to get to look like that. And so when you look in John chapter 15, one of the things that we've noticed is this, as we've been looking at the I am statements of Jesus, all of the seven I am sayings, all of these statements, they were connected with some kind of event going on around Jesus at the time. And so let's go back and let's be reminded of the seven or the six that we've looked at thus far. Starting in John chapter 6, if you want to go back there, we'll just kind of uh, turn the pages of Scripture together this morning. John chapter 6, verse 35, we saw the first one where Jesus declares, then he says, I am the bread of life. One of the things that he would do as he talked about these images and these statements, they were more than just words, and the way that he made them come alive, he would have an image or a picture that you could have in your mind or that you could see right there in front of you, and he would draw the parallel to that of what it means as a follower of Jesus. And so he says in this one, in verse 35 of chapter 6, I am the bread of life. And then over uh, at the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles, right in the middle of that, in chapter 8, verse 12, with all these huge candelabras that we would call them today, uh, that would light the way and that would provide the light, Jesus, as a backdrop, looks at those and he makes this huge declaration. He says, I am the light of the world. And then over in chapter 10, you saw the image of the shepherd and sheep, and Jesus drew the conclusion that he was the gate for the sheep. There in chapter 10, verse 7, I tell you the truth, I'm the gate. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. He'll come in and go out and find pasture. So within that gate, as you enter into that gate, the, the picture that Jesus paints for us 
is this. In my pasture, there is freedom. And that freedom can only take place when you abide with me and when you choose to have a relationship with me. Jesus has already chosen us, but on the other part, we've got to accept that. We have to choose him, and we'll talk about that later in today's lesson. And then over, uh, also in chapter 10, down in verse 11 and also verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. And so when I speak, my sheep, they know me, they know my voice, and they listen to me, and they respond to me. And then over in chapter 11, verse 25, he makes a great declaration right on the the heels of the of the death of Lazarus and as he's comforting the sisters Mary and Martha he says I am the resurrection and the life and he looks at her and he says do you believe this then last week as we saw in chapter 14 verse 6 I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so here we are this morning, we find ourselves camped out in John 15. He's making his last recorded statement right after the Last Supper. And at the end of chapter 14, he concludes this portion of his teaching, and he's leading his disciples out of the upper room toward the Garden of Gethsemane. And then in chapter 14, there at the end of the verse, he says this phrase, he says, Come now, let us leave. And as they are walking toward Gethsemane, it's very possible that they passed by a vineyard where Jesus began his teaching here in John 15. So let's read together uh, part of this chapter and then... We'll talk about some applications. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me so verse 5 I am the vine you are the branches if a man remains in me and I in him he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not remain in me he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned And if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love if you obey my commands. You will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
you are my friends if you do what I command. You see, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. And so more than likely during that walk, they would have seen a prominent symbol that hung over the entrance of the temple. It was made of gold wire and beads. It was delicately twisted to look like a huge golden grapevine. And Jesus may have pointed to that golden vine when he told his disciples, I am the vine. And so when you look at this, one of the things that you see, well, they look good, don't they? They look delicious. You like grapes? Making you hungry, right? These are beautiful grapes. But again, this doesn't just happen. It happens because every branch, every little shoot that you see that go off from there, if it's not producing life, Jesus says, we're going to get rid of it. If it's not producing good things like you see right there, we're going to get rid of it because here's what happens. As you prune that, and as you kind of operate on it and get rid of all the bad things, you know what happens? It stimulates growth. All the bad is removed, so the good and beautiful, in this case, grapes, can grow and flourish like they're supposed to be. And so Jesus is using a word picture that was very familiar to those around him. Grapes were a big part of Israel's economy. I mean, the ideal growth and ideal place to grow grapes was in Israel. And for another thing, the grapevine had always been a symbol of the nation. And so, in fact, the symbol of the grapevine was on an Israeli coin up until the time that they were conquered by Rome. And so when they saw the grapevine, who did they think about? They thought about Jesus. And when you look back in Scripture, one of the things that you see is grapevines are used as three different kinds of symbols. And they represent the past, the present, and even the future. Let me show you a couple of examples of that. The past vine symbolized Israel as a choice vine but here's what happened. If you go back and look throughout several passages of the Old Testament, Psalm 80, Isaiah 5, Jeremiah 2, Ezekiel 19, one of the things that you see, they were producing wild grapes. So the pruning wasn't taking place. They weren't doing what they were intended to be. And so if you keep looking in Scripture in Revelation 14, John pictures and he paints for us that the future vine would symbolize the face of the earth during the last days. And the beautiful part, what we see and how Jesus addresses this in John 15, the present vine symbolizes 
the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So, for Jesus to look at the audience, for him to look at his disciples on that day and to say, I am the true vine, that's an announcement that as the Messiah, he is now becoming the true Israel. And when you think about it at the time, what an astounding revelation that proved to be. And so at the very beginning of John chapter 15, notice what Jesus does. He talks about his role, he talks about our role, and one of the things that he, the imperative that he gives that we are to do is this, you remain in me. But the only way that we can remain in him, we've got to know what we are. We've got to know what our function is, okay? So, Jesus has already said, I'm the true vine, and so what are we? We're the branch. And notice what he does in verse 2, he cuts off every branch in us that bears no fruit. So, our job as a disciple of Christ, as a follower of Christ, one of the things that we are to do is this. God designed us to be fruit bearers. He designed us to bear fruit. Jesus says it like this in his Gospels. When people see you, when people see me, they should be able to see the fruit in our lives. So in order for that to happen, one of the things that we have to do is to realize my role our role as a follower of Christ is to be a branch. And as a branch, who are we always connected to? We're always connected to Christ. So if we're connected to Christ and we're just a branch, where do we get our life from? Where do we get nourishment from? Where do we get the nutrients from? From Christ. So there's no other place where it can come from except for him. But a lot of times what we do is we, we get bored being a branch, don't we? I mean, how many of you have dead branches around your yard? If you don't now, you've had them in the past because of the ice storms. And I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars went through this community hiring people to cut down trees and to get them back beautiful like they're supposed to look but in order for that to happen what do you do with all the dead branches that are just there you got to get rid of them okay and just like the text says what's a dead branch good for not a thing to be burned up to be hauled off they're not good for anything there's no life at all in a dead branch and so our role as a branch, as we are connected to Christ, look at what happens. After getting rid of all the dead, the vine dresser would get down to the work of pruning each shoot or each branch. And here was the purpose of that. Number one, to stimulate growth and also to allow the vine dresser to shape the vine. Isn't that a beautiful image? And so think about it. Every day of life, what we do is we give our lives in submission over to Jesus and we trust him 
that his will will be done in our lives and here's how we do that we are asking Jesus we're not giving him permission because it's part of his role we are asking him as we give our lives to him to shape and to mold us just like he wants to to shape and to mold us more into his image and so here's what takes place and I want you to think about this from an individual standpoint think about something with me does God do pruning in our lives absolutely he does that so that we can become healthy and that we can become fruit bearers are there just times in our life where we're just there we're just kind of a dud sorry there's no life in that is there so from a spiritual standpoint this morning if you're starving to know Christ you heard Paul's prayer that Sam read just a moment ago I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection folks listen as we're connected as a branch as we're connected to Christ as we get to know him in an intimate way as we grow closer to him in a loving way the beautiful thing is this we are allowing him to take our lives and do with it what he wants and so he can shape it and he can turn it and he can twist it he can do whatever he wants because he's in charge all we are is a branch but don't look at it as just a branch look at it as I'm a branch that has a purpose and that purpose can only be fulfilled as I receive life daily from Christ and so there are moments in our lives where we need pruning individually basics and again why do we do that we get rid of the things that are not pleasing to Christ and we put him on and we're about all these good qualities and natures of Christ so that we can grow up into him who's the head of all things but another thing that takes place not only on an individual basis do we go through pruning I want you to think about this are there times in the life of a church where we need pruning oh, now we're getting a little personal aren't we yes there are think about it how often and how many times in the church are we guilty of just continuing to do something because we've always done it that way now I'm not knocking tradition but tradition for tradition's sake we need to take a look at that if it's a tradition that's helping us grow up into Christ amen have some of our traditions just been traditions because we've just kind of followed suit for years and years because that's the way that it's always been done maybe so and my question is maybe 
a prayer that we pray is we ask God to prune us individually and as a church to get ready to be more fruitful so that we can advance the cause of Christ and that we can advance the kingdom farther and farther down the road. Now, a lot of times what that means, we have to choose. What does that look like? What do we participate in? What what does it look like as we go through that pruning process, and what does that look like as we decide as a church and as a congregation and even as an individual, what does Christ really want me to be about in my life? Those are great questions to ask and sometimes what that does is it causes pain you realize to grow pain is involved just like when we grow as a human when we get a little taller we have growing pains don't we sometimes we go through those growing pains as a congregation as we're trying to listen and discern what is it that God really wants me to be about as a church. And so, let me mention this briefly. A lot of you have mentioned from time to time and have asked questions about our vision. And some have even asked, you know, we we thought it was going to be more of a complete list by list of what we were going to accomplish in 10 years. Well, some of the things are pretty clear-cut in the vision of what's going to take place but if you stop and think about it none of us here can really read in to what's going to take place 10 years from now can we and so one of the things that we are striving to do is to pray and to spend more time in our relationship with God in getting ourselves right in getting ourselves aligned and more connected with God than maybe ever before, and we're not saying that none of us have been connected before, we're just saying we want to really have a deep relationship with Christ. And so, as we as that grows and as that evolves, you know what else is going to grow and evolve with that? The way we reach out. And the way we minister to people. And let me tell you this. We're reaching out and ministering to people in ways that we've never done before as a church. And I praise God for that. We have more people involved right now in the life of this church in community things that are good activities, that are good things, good things for the cause of Christ. We want to be about good things in our community. Amen? I mean, a lot of you have grown up here. This has been your home all of your life. We have an investment in Paris, Texas and the surrounding area. But what we want, we want more faith and more of Christianity and more salt and light to be a part of this community than ever before. Because if we're ever going to change not just the world, if we're ever going to change Paris, Texas, it starts with us in this room. Can I get an amen on that? Some of you are with me. And it starts by realizing I've got to be connected 
with the life source. I've got to be connected with God. And once I'm connected, and I mean really connected with Him, and have that love relationship that He calls for, day by day, we're going to begin to see and realize more and more what He has in store for us as a church and as a community. And so, it's a 10-year vision that will evolve day after day after day. But it starts inwardly. And it starts with what our relationship with Christ looks like. Not just today, but every day. And if you stop and think about it, it's a day-to-day decision as a follower of Christ to decide I'm going to yield and submit my own wishes and desires today. And I'm going to let Christ have his way in my life. If that was just a one-time decision to make, that'd be pretty easy, wouldn't it? But as a follower of Christ, it's something that we have to take on every day. That's a challenge for our young people. It's a challenge for every age group in the church to say yes to being a follower of Christ. It takes a lot as a follower to say, Jesus, here's my life. Now I want you to do the pruning. I want you to do the shaping. I want you to do the molding that you need to do in order for me to continue to grow up in you you say that once it's one thing you say it and pray it every day that's a life of discipline as we begin to trust that his will be done in our lives and so when you look throughout the gospel story one of the things that you begin to notice is this the path of jesus is a different path than any other. It's a path of listening. It's a path of obeying, of observing, of watching, and following. And the disciples did all of that. Even when they didn't understand it, they still followed. Even when we don't understand everything, Jesus still calls us to follow It's a path worth following. And in verse 16 of chapter 15, Jesus talks about his will for our lives again when he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. And here's the part that I like. Fruit that will last. Why is it good? Because we're receiving it from the only life source that matters. From the only life source that can feed us and give us what we need. And so the relationship between the branch and the vine can be summed up in one word. Here it is. Dependence. I am dependent upon Jesus to supply his life flow in me 
so that what is produced is a fruit of his life rather than just a work of my efforts. And there's a big difference. Yes, there's a place for work, but there's also a place to just allow it to flow in me and through me so that our works will be what Jesus really wants them to be. I'm going to let you think about that. And so a summary of this passage can be wrapped up in this imperative. Remain in me. So each and every day, our role, yes, to be a branch, but it's to be a branch that's supplying fruit. It's to be a branch that looks beautiful. And it looks beautiful because Jesus is in control. Church, when Jesus is in control of our lives, beautiful things take place. So this morning, we're going to stand to sing a song of invitation. I don't know where you may be. I don't know what you're connected with. But I know this, if you're not connected with Christ, you're not where you need to be. If you need to be connected to him through baptism, we're here to do that for you and to celebrate that new walk with you. And maybe you're here and you're just, you're struggling and you just need prayer. You need more than just yourself to lean upon. You've got great family here that'll walk with you every step of the way. And so we're going to sing a song. And as we do that, if you need something from a public standpoint, we ask you to come as we stand and as we sing.